will make this so much more to you. And, and, and the, the hint is, is that even if it doesn't mean so much more to you, it's still, it's still on the same track that it always has been. Independent of how I feel about it, it is still for me in a very awesome and, 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 and thankful and giving way. Uh, growing up, uh, I grew up in a church where we might have observed the Lord's Supper or the table once a quarter or something like that. And it was a special event. And I got, and I don't remember this, this the, I don't remember being communicator told this, but I got the impression that it was me doing something for Jesus. I thought it was me showing honor and respect and, and, and worship, which in a way it is, but to Jesus. I thought it was all about me doing something for Jesus. And the good news is, is that the table is actually Jesus doing something for me. And see, that's, this is all gift. This is all gift. And see, it, it removes, it is again, just like the preaching of the gospel, just like in baptism, God connects certain words with his gifts to his children. And he connects certain promises with the table that it is for you and you have to be a sinner to qualify. Sinners are invited to his table. Those that say, I'm not a sinner, or I, I, you know, thank God I'm not like that sinner over there. You know, Jesus even said he didn't come for those who were well. He came for those who were sick. And he was meaning spiritually. He was meaning those who think they don't need Jesus. That's not who Jesus came for. It was those that Jesus, the people knew they needed Jesus. That's, he, he came to give them something, specifically his very self. And that is wonderful good news for people like me that need someone to save them. And just that small, small flip where this is not revolving around the action of the Christian, but it's revolving around the action of Christ changes everything. One of the very first early scriptures or parts of the Bible that were found, or one of the earliest manuscripts that they found that the early church was reading was actually this next passage that I'm going to read to y'all. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, For I see from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, as the men come forward, I want to go into what, what words, what promises are being connected with this. And as the, the men get everything ready, I just want to lead us. What is the benefit of eating and drinking in the Lord's Supper? It's the words. 
It's the words that God connects to the Lord's Supper. See, remove the words from the communion or the Lord's Supper. It's just, it's just the stuff. It's no different than having juice and crackers in snack time. But when you connect the words to them, there are certain promises that God is delivering to us here. A wonderful reminder of the gift that he has given of himself to us. It's these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, shows us that in the table, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can physically and bodily eating do such great things? Certainly not. Just eating and drinking do these things. But it's the words that are written here given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the table. Whoever believes these words have exactly what they say. Forgiveness of sins. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you sent to us your Son, Jesus, to die on an actual cross who spilled actual blood for us. And thank you so much for inviting us as many times as it is given, inviting us to your table, Lord, where you give us and you promise us and you connect your very self with the forgiveness of sins. You on the outside saving us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
job. It's good to have young Mr. Buckland with us in the end there. And young Mrs. Buckland with us today, praise the Lord. And the old figurehead herself, Mrs. Buckland Sr., it's good to have her with us today. I'm not telling you where she's sitting because she gets mad at me when I mention her name. Rightly so, rightly so. I'll tell you, it's good to see every one of you. It's truly good to see every one of you. You know, we're never sure, or I'm never sure as a pastor, whether people are listening or not. Because you can look out at their faces. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you. I'm looking at you today. I'll mention you a couple of times, so just be ready. But you're never sure if people are listening to what you're saying or not, or whether it's going right over the top of their head, or they're not interested, or they don't really care what's going on. They've just showed up because this is a thing to do on a Sunday morning. But I pray that you show up here for more than that. I'll tell you why I show up here. I show up, number one, because I'm the pastor. <laughs> and uh, I said to Maggie this morning, I said, I'm not going to church today. She says, you've got to go to church. I said, not good. They don't like me up there, and I don't like them either. So that's two re good reasons why I'm not going. She says, well, I'm going to give you two good reasons why you're going. I says, what's that, dear? And she says, you're 65 years old, and you're the pastor. <laughs> so, no, I'm here to meet with the Lord because he's been so, so good to me. And uh, I want to portray his goodness and his kindness and his love 
so that when you come here, no matter what the reason you come for, that you will leave here not be not the same way as you came, but wonderfully changed and blessed in Jesus' name. Because it's Jesus that makes a difference in our lives. You know, some of you, you don't know what the one next year has gone through this week, what hell they've gone through, what misery they've gone through, or what difficulties they're going through in their life, and who they're, my, what's it mean when your right hand is itching? Does that mean you're giving money or taking it in? I'm not sure. But I'm rubbing it up anyway, praise God. Uh, and I'm not superstitious. But the other week, about maybe two months ago, uh, or uh, just maybe six weeks ago, uh, I received a letter from a lady who had been down here visiting, and she wrote me the letter, and the letter really touched me, the words that she had to say. And she said to me, Pastor, whenever it's opportune, I would like you to read the letter, but I don't want you to mention any names, because I don't want the names going out there. And... uh, Sometimes I'll say to people that, well, I've got an unspoken prayer request. Well, some people don't like me saying, well, what's the unspoken prayer request? Well, it's an unspoken prayer request. We have to pray for such and such. And they don't necessarily want everything out there in the front. So this letter came from the lady. So I rewrote the letter in my own handwriting so I could perhaps read it to you. And I want you to listen to what the words say. And it taught me another lesson that I don't know sometimes what somebody is going through out there. And also, I've not to look to see whether they're getting the message or not. not, You have to give it the best I can. And then I have to leave God to minister to you or for you to have ears to hear what he has to say. Because I believe that he's always got something for us. It might be in the words of a song. It might be a psalm that's read. It might be something that's spoken over the table. It might be somebody just patting you in the back and the way in as you come off the elevator or in the fellowship hall or as you come into the room here or something somewhere. There is something for all of us here in this church this morning. And I believe that the, 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 the word says that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst, and that he being Jesus. And he's here not just to spend an idle hour with you or to sing happy birthday to Nikola, which I know that he wants to bless you, but he's here to, to minister to all of us in this place today, and that includes me. Dear Derek and Maggie, I came to church that Sunday with a burden that I carried and ignored. Our son is an alcoholic. and does not believe in God. I'd come to a point where I'd given up on him. You ever come to a point in your life when you pray for somebody and you pray for them and nothing seems to be happening? Ah, I just feel like giving up. I remember Brother Michael Cameron, seven years he stood alone, and he felt like giving up. Everybody was making a fool of him, his whole family. Went to a little gospel service and there was two missionaries there. And as he went forward, going to give up, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm not able to take it anymore. I've had enough. And the word of the Lord came to Brother Michael Cameron, my wife's father's brother, Michael. To my young servant, if you remain faithful, I'll bring in your whole family. Little did he realize that as he remained faithful, 
that there's well over a hundred of the Cameron family who are ministers and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ right across this land, across the world, the United Kingdom, uh, and many other places. Little did he realize, because of his faithfulness, that God would use all those different people to touch so many different lives. And I'm part of that. And my wife is and my children are. And we are part of that, that group that because of his faithfulness, we came to know Jesus as our own personal Savior. This lady wrote the letter to me and she says, I no, I no longer prayed because I felt it was hopeless. We were singing this morning about who gives us hope. It's Jesus that gives us hope. And it's not hopeless. And I encourage you today, if you feel like giving up, don't give up. You're in the brink of your miracle. God is still on the throne. And he's still blessing and using you. I remember I went through a rough time myself, and I felt like giving up myself quite a few times. But one time in particular, and God said to me, he said these words, he dropped it right in my spirit. He says, I'm not through using you, and I'm not through blessing you. I was driving a Mercedes-Benz off, off the parking lot with no money, my business going down the tubes, and God gave me a brand new, this is in 2006, Mercedes-Benz, E320, brand smacking new, with the tears running down my face. I didn't know how I got out of that parking lot. I don't know, because I didn't see a thing. But he spoke to my heart, I'm not through using you, and I'm not through blessing you. That car is in the parking lot today, and it's done a quarter of a million miles on it. And be mightily used by the Lord, that chariot that he gave me. But that was given to me at a time when I felt like giving up. At a time that I was in despair myself. Now you sometimes wonder, well, is he telling you that I'm telling you the truth today? If you don't believe me, ask my wife. And ask my children, I'd sit to myself, well, why, how come I brought my ch wife and family down this path? We can make wrong choices and wrong decisions. But, you know, God is still on the throne. And I, I'm telling you that don't give up. No matter what you're praying for, what you're standing, who you're praying for, whether it be your family, your business, or whatever it is, don't give up because God is still on the throne. Back to the letter. After the sermon... You called for people to come for prayer. But I walked out to the sanctuary and didn't hear it. During the sermon, God had impressed on me to go forward and to pray for our son. But I resisted. This is her speaking. I resisted. And when I walked back into the sanctuary, there was people at the altar praying. I figured that God took all of my excuses away. She had no more excuses. Here was a place, here was prayer, here was an opportunity. And she said she came forward. It's a lady that doesn't come here all the time, but we know her, and I'm not going to tell you her name. She says, and I went forward and I asked God to forgive my hard heart. And crying, I, gave, I, I asked God to forgive me of my hard heart and break the chains of alcoholism from our son. I felt the burden lift. You ever felt a burden lift? Ooh, what a feeling that is. I texted my husband and told him that I had gone forward to lift our son up in prayer. 
My husband had already received. Now listen to God's statement. See, we want everything in our time. We want it now, 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 now. We want it in our time. We don't want to wait when it's God's time. And I'll tell you, I advise you to wait in his time because his time is perfect. My husband had already received a text that our son had went to an AA meeting for the first time. He texted him to let him know that I had gone forward at the church to pray for the chains of alcoholism would be broken. On Tuesday, our son called us crying over the telephone to tell us that he had admitted himself to a rehab facility. Are you listening? Hallelujah. God is all that. We don't have to push. We have to allow God to do it. We pray about it and ask God to do it. And his timing is perfect. And he, the, the son, got admitted into a rehab facilities and was determined, he said, to fight the alcoholism. Praise God. This is in her writing. He, God, takes what seems hopeless and gives us hope. I'd come up yesterday to get the book. I don't know where the book is with all the cards, the pretty cards for the blankets. Somebody's got the book or they know where the book is with the cards. If they can find it, let me know because I come up because there were so many different cards in that book that we told us as we gave of the prayer blankets and sent them out all over the world, all over the place. We send these prayer blankets. And one of the things that people are healed, mightily healed, some don't get healed, uh, but every one of them have received hope and encouragement. I had a friend, Billy Corner in Scotland. He had cancer, and he, whenever he felt the pain coming on, he would grab that blanket. And the, the care nurses knew that he had to have his blanket because that blanket was a source of giving him hope. And you know, God is a source of giving us hope. He gives us hope for the hopeless. He, God, takes what seems hopeless and gives us hope. God is good all the time. My husband prayed with our son over the phone, lifting him up to the one who can change hearts and minds. Our son is now in a rehab facility because God is merciful and intervened in his life. Are you listening this morning? God intervened in his life. Your ministry, that's here, this church, you people, your ministry is important, and God uses your church. Thank you for standing for God. Our daughter also had texted us that her aunt had also gone forward at her church at the same time as I did in your church. God is moving, and people are seeing his power. Well, this is just the first step for our son. God is involved, and we will continue to cover him in prayer. She said, my favorite expression is, this, this is her fa favorite expression, this horrible thing happened, but God. But God. Anything after shows a merciful God and that our God is full of grace. Bless you and your church family. In Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 13, it says these words, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the uh, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having all, having done all to stand. Stand. When having done all to stand, you listen, Judy, stand. God is good. Whatever you're in need of, any of us this morning, God is able. God bless you, Maggie, and your wonderful church. There is something, and I can look out, now, being a pastor, I know some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that everybody else doesn't know. It's just one of the joys of the job. And uh, I'm not a nosy person, but it's one of those things that you seem to be in the middle when someone else is going through a hard time or a trial. And it's a joy to be able to be there I've had calls through the, the night and through the day of people asking for prayer for different things. And you know, the only thing I can point them to is to Jesus. It's nothing of my own strength. I had a call the other day, and this young lady was just so much stress, and, and the enemy attacking her, and she had an anxiety attack, and she wanted to know what to do. You know what I told her to do is what I would tell myself to do, that I've had to do myself many times. You see, the worst time is in the night watches. You know what the night watches? It's through the night when you're lying there all alone and you think you don't know who to turn to. I don't wake my wife up through the night because that would upset her. You didn't get that, did you? <laughs> so you're, you're there lying still in your bed and, and, and I'll go through the house and and uh, I'll just take a quiet time. But you see, she was in despair. You know what I told her to do? I says, take a scripture. All of you have some one, at least one scripture that gives you comfort, that encourages you, that lifts you up. And if you don't have one, that's your homework for next week. Get a scripture that will encourage you and it'll lift you out, and it'll bring you out from thinking of the things, the negative things that are coming against you, the enemy that is throwing all kinds of things against you, that'll take your mind off of that. And it's not mind over matter. It's, that's not what I'm speaking about. There's a principle there of bringing God's Word to the forefront into your spirit so that your spirit may be changed, and you can use that. And I says, get that Word. Get the Word of the Lord into your heart and into your spirit, and speak it, and speak it. And there's something in that that gives you strength, and it gives you power in the night watches, in the darkest hour, when you don't know. No, oh, Pastor, you don't know. Yes, I do know what I'm talking about. I've used it myself, and I've spoken it, and I've given that over, and you have no idea the release that you find. So if you're in a dark time, or in a time of despair, you speak the word. You speak the word boldly. The enemy, the devil, has come to rob, to steal, and to destroy. I don't know if any of you have ever been 
robbed. We had a beautiful house in Scotland. I mean, beautiful. You built it, built it ourselves. The field at the back with all our horses. Nice stuff, nice big TVs. Had a gold watch with a chain. Had all that stuff. Had all the stuff that this world had to offer. Loads of stuff. We comes home from church one Sunday night. And somebody went into the wrong house. Would you believe that? They thought they were in their own house and they came to my house and they took their gold watch and the chain and all Maggie's jewelry and all that stuff and they took it and they took it away home to wherever they were taking it. But there's something about having being invaded or your all your stuff being touched and you can imagine them taking all your stuff out of your drawers and different things and it's just not a, a nice feeling to be violated and that's the feeling that you get from the enemy because you see he's come Bible tells you clearly he's come to rob to steal and to destroy rob, steal and destroy and that's what he'll do and if he can't get at you he'll get at your finances if he can't get at your finances he'll get at your children if he can't get at your children he'll get at your children's children but he'll get a wedge in some way and he'll attack you some way and you have to be aware of the wiles of the enemy. When you've done all to stand, stand. There's parents out here today that I'm looking at right now that I love and I care for and that prayer and they've prayed for their children and yet there's an anguish that comes over us when we see our children going down the wrong road. No parent wants to see their child struggling with addictions nor going the wrong, in the wrong direction. Unfortunately, our children don't realize that and they don't want to listen sometimes to the advice that we give them. Little do they realize that we've been down that road before them and we're only trying to help them, but they want to do it like Michael used to say, Frank Sinatra's way, he did it my way. They want us to do it their way. For a pe- parent, it's not a a burden that we can carry alone. I've had prayer with people and they're seriously just in despair. They don't know what to do. And their children are going in these different roads or there's different situations. It doesn't have to be our children. But we're going through different situations in our lives and it seems like we're just in despair and we don't know what to do. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. The definition of deferred is put it off till later. How many of us have done that? We'll just put it off till later. Or let's just delay that. Or I'll take a rain check. We want it now, now, now. But God's time, timing is different for a reason. People are looking for hope. I can't express to you how many. If I could have got that book of cards, I don't know who's got that book of cards, but you'll be sorry you took it or moved it or hid it. <laughs> I would love to get it because in there was for you all to read the blessings that came back from the people that we sent the blankets to. And every one of them, they had the hope. But everybody is looking for hope. And where are they going to find it? 
Where are they going to find that hope? If not in the house of the Lord here, from his, or from his children, where? If it's not by us, sharing a little bit of light and a little bit of love and a little bit of encouragement. I think everybody needs a pat on the back. Everybody needs a little bit of encouragement. Where will people find it if they can't find it from us or in his house? We are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. How bright is your light shining? When I gave my heart to Jesus, it wasn't the preacher like I'm standing here preaching that made a difference in me. It was the the group in the background. I saw that they had something that I didn't have, and I just didn't know what it was. And it was Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. I'd never heard an appeal being given out. I never knew what it was about. But, you know, I knew that they had something that I didn't have, and that's what I hungered for, and that's what I desired for. And I went back into Northern Ireland the next day at 2 in the morning, at uh, 7 in the morning, 2 in the morning, I gave my heart to Jesus. 7 in the morning, I was on a flight back to Belfast, Northern Ireland, into shootings, into uh, riots, into bombings, all that kind of stuff. I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have a Christian friend. I didn't even have a Bible. But, you know, the Lord had his hand upon me. And the greatest miracle of all, something happened in here that changed my life completely, that brought me through the next three and a half months or however long it was until I got back home, that the Lord kept his hand upon me through it all. And uh, from that, I was 19, I'm 65 now, and from that date to this, the Lord has had his hand upon me. And I am so, so thankful for that. I have done many things in my life, and I often wonder why I went into all these different things. And I'm not going to tell you them all today because I will never going to tell you next week. <laughs> but at one time, I was a commercial fisherman. And uh, I, I never really liked it. But the money was very, very good. The money was very, very good. And if you've watched that deadliest catch thing that's on the TV, some of the weather was really horrendous. And off the North Sea, there was a, 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 a cruise ship that just got... Uh, and heavy water off the North Sea. I'll tell you, it can be heavy water. And it can come over the top of you. And you're there. And I never liked the sea. I was always sick. I'm not now. I love to cruise now, but it's a different, different venue. But at that time, I couldn't stand the smell of the fish. I couldn't stand the smell of the diesel. And I didn't like it, but I loved the smell of the old greenbacks. So, therefore, I would go and leave my lovely young bride. Michael, imagine you leaving that beautiful woman there for, for two months as you went away to sea doing something you didn't really like. Imagine what that would be like, Michael. Tell me later. But I would leave and, and go, go away and, and uh, come back. But, you know, as a commercial fisherman, I remember that you'll see a lighthouse outside the door, bottom lighthouse, and all these lighthouses that you'll see along the coast. You might wonder, well, do fishermen ever get mixed up which, where they're coming in? They'll see a light, yes, but is it this light or is it that light or where? Every lighthouse uh, has a flashing light. And on the flashing light, it's also on radar. So that if you can't see because of the storm and you can't find your way into the Bay of Refuge where you could rest and 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 be in shelter, 
Every lighthouse has a different light. Like it might be one second on, two seconds off. And it blows that light, and as an experienced captain sees, and it's on the chart, they'll realize, oh, we're going into Peterhead Harbor, or we're going into New York Harbor, or whatever, because the light is always different on the chart, on the radar, and also on the light. So you know exactly where you're going. And when you're a fisherman and you're going in there with these storms and you don't know where you're going and you can just see a glimmer every now and again, what a, a wonderful warm feeling that is that you're, you're not far from home. There's something about the call of home, getting home. And I did that for a while. I didn't like it. But no matter how stormy the night is, no matter where you're going through, Jesus is your lighthouse. And his light will shine, and we can be used as a lighthouse for him that will take us into the Bay of Refuge. Maggie uh, uh, is uh, in charge of a, uh, travel in our, in our job where she works. Several of the girls are here. Raise your hand if you work with Maggie. Just raise your hand. Don't, I'm not asking you to say if you like her. I just say if you work with her. There's one. Two, how many more? Gwen is three. Any more? Three. All right. So uh, there was a time that, that things were going really rough at work, and she was called as a manager to go to some of the salespeople and to, to try and, and encourage them. Because I don't know if you've ever done sales, but banging that phone and trying to get speak to people that don't want to speak to you, Trying to speak to people, you want to speak to you is bad enough, but if they don't want to speak to you, it's, it's not a nice thing. And she went into this young girl who hadn't been in the job all that long, and the girl was sitting at her desk, and the tears was running down her face. And Maggie says, what's wrong? And she says, I can't do this anymore. I just can't take it anymore. So Maggie sat and talked to her and encouraged her all she could, and Spent some time with this young girl. It's a true story, because she'd come home and told me about it. So later on that afternoon, she, the young girl was walking along the, the hallway. And Maggie asked her, well, how's things going? And she says, well, it's going well. She says, I was trying to figure out what changed from when you sat down and spoke to me to make it different for me to, to carry on and face the day. And she says, I know what it is. And Maggie says, well, what is that? She says, you gave me hope. You gave me hope. And I want to encourage us today, every one of you. I have, I put on the signs and also on the card there that we write out, where, a place where you matter. This is a place where you matter. This is a place where you make the difference. Not the pastor, but you. You're an encourager. You're an uplifter. You might be the one that's gone through that disaster that they are facing. And you might be the one that can encourage them to, to go through it and how to go through it. And my encouragement to you is that everybody needs encouragement. Everybody does. She said the difference was she had figured out that you gave me hope and we could help 
by giving others hope. No matter whether it be Sergeant Dickens, I give him hope. I keep him in here as long as we can and off Beach Street Industrial and off Buford Highway so that people have hope that they're not going to get a ticket. <laughs> Sergeant Dickens. But we do pray for you, Sergeant Dickens. Hallelujah. We do pray for you. We pray that you're sleeping in the car when we're going by. We pray that your blue lights are not working that day. But I tell you this, we do appreciate you being here. And uh, we feel you're part of us. And we're thankful for you. In the 60s, while the Cameron family, Pastor John, and the family were driving across the country to the dedication of Oral Roberts University. I think it was in 66 or something like that. It was in the 60s anyway. The family had taken this lady who had lost her husband. She'd lost her brother. You listen? Lost her father. All in the space of a few months. They took her with them in the car. And you can imagine how she had been feeling all through all these hardships if you had lost a loved one. She was feeling down. And she just needed a lift in her spirit. They took her with her in the car. And if you've ever tra traveled with them in a car, it was uh, quite an experience. And uh, they had the joy of the Lord upon their, their hearts and their lives. The next day, as they were leaving the hotel, this is a true story. That's two true stories I've told you today. As they were leaving the hotel and they were loading up the car, the lady turned to the family and she said, since I have met you folks, God has given to me a dancing heart. During the rest of the trip to ORU, this song was penned. And it's called The Dancing Heart, which has been a song, and it was a lady that brought it. Since I met you folks, God has given me a dancing heart. It's been a song that has been a, a blessing and an encouragement and been used to set thousands of people all over the United States and this world. And the song goes like this. And the words are phenomenal. And they were all penned in the car. I won't sing it to you, but maybe one Sunday we will. <laughs> David danced before the Lord. He danced with all his might. His heart was filled with holy joy. His spirit was so light. Micah, through the window, looked to criticize did start, she didn't know that David had got a dancing heart. Oh, the Holy Ghost will set your feet a dancing. The Holy Ghost will thrill you through and through. Oh, the Holy Ghost will set your feet a dancing and set your heart a dancing too. David danced before the Lord to magnify his name. In God's almighty presence, he felt no sense of shame. The oil of gladness flowed that day. It quickened every part. He hadn't only dancing feet. He had a dancing heart. Out of Egypt long ago, the Israelites were led. By a mighty miracle, they were all kept and fed. Through the Red Sea, they were brought. The waters stood apart. And God gave Sister Miriam a dance down in her heart. There was a celebration upon the Red Sea shore. Timbrels rang, desert sand became a dancing floor. 
the people sang and praised God there. He made the gloom depart and put a dance of love and joy a deep down in their heart. The prodigal was far away, wandering out in sin. He came back to father's house. Father took him in. He put a robe upon his son. The merriment did start. The prodigal got dancing shoes to match his dancing heart. The father's house with music rang to welcome home the son. Wine was flowing, full and free. All misery was gone. The elder brother, looking on, complained it wasn't fair. He hadn't got a dancing heart like all the others there. Now many saints, listen, 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 are cold and bound by unbelief today. They want the blessing of the Lord, but they worry what men say. Oh, let the Lord have full control. From dead traditions part, and he will set you free within. You'll have a dancing heart. Now in the Bible, we can read that in the latter days, men would leave their first love and turn to carnal ways. But true-born saints of Jesus, for the bridegroom set apart, are waiting for his coming with a joyful dancing heart. Do you have a dancing heart this morning? If you don't have one, you can have one. The secret is to put your hope and trust in the Lord. You can't carry your burden alone. You can't, I'll say that again. Some people are taking notes. You can't carry your burden alone. It's too much for any of us to bear. There is another song that was written in a time of great, great need. It's one of my favorite ones, favorite choruses that we sing. And the words are phenomenal. I'm going on is the name of the song. And it says these words. And tell me if you've ever been there. Listen. Some trials come to hinder me so that the road ahead I cannot clearly see. But there's one thing I have to do. I'm going on, my Lord. I'm going on for you. I'm going on. I'm going on. I'm going on towards the mark, towards my home. So many lives depend on what I do. Give me the strength, dear Lord. I'm going on for you. I encourage you today. You're going to find that there will be trials in your life that will come and they'll try and hinder you. I want you to overcome them by the word of the Lord and the words of your testimony. Sometimes it only takes the words of a song to encourage me. I'll be in the prayer meeting and if you've never heard me sing, I'm an awesome singer. <laughs> Sometimes we'll be in a prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning and there'll be a song that I haven't sung in 40 years that'll come and it'll spark off inside me, inside my spirit. Somebody will say something at the prayer time. And I'll tell you, I encourage you today to get the word of the Lord inside you, even if it's from some of these songs, because they'll inspire you. They'll bring you through your lowest valley. No matter what it is, Jesus is the one that cares for you. Somebody cares for you this morning, and his name is Jesus. I encourage you, no matter what you're going through, or what you're facing, or what a family member is facing, Jesus is the answer 
for all of us today. It might seem simple to you. Oh, it is simple. The gospel is sensible. Sensible. Simple. It is simple. It's a story of a man called Jesus that loved you and I enough that he was willing to give his life on a cross like was behind us. He was willing to be beaten and bruised and broken, his body broken, because he loved us so much and he cared for you and I so much. He was willing. Jesus is the answer to our anguish today. Jesus is the answer for our anguish for our children today. Give your life over to him. Cast your care on him. Because let me tell you, he cares for you. Let the, the group come, the, uh, the team come. They've done an awesome job today. And I've, I've, I'm within my time frame. It's only 11.24, can you believe it? 11.24, it all's well. Praise God. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Let's, what's 12.24? What did I say, 11? Has, is it, this not the week of the time change? That's because you haven't been here for three weeks, Jason, that's why. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, just before we sing, as we go our separate ways this morning, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You need prayer today. Why don't you just come forward and I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. We want to pray with you today. The Lord has put a, you in our hearts and we care for you, we love you, and we're interested in you, we're interested in your every need, whatever it may be. There might be a mother in this place today and you're desperately in need for your son. You haven't given up on them or your daughter or whoever it may be. Just come forward this morning. Hallelujah. And let's stand together. We're going to, you folks that are out there and you don't have a need in your own life but you care, just stretch forth your hand. Would the prayer team come forward as we join together this morning?